I don't want to talk about that. I'm more more issues to be talking about than that. The time was still still dark at the start, but it got brighter and brighter nearly every oh, day. Never mind, you know, for six months because this is our season. I think that's rough. Come up to the gutter to get where I am. I'm delighted to be here, but it's been earned. It's, but that's a, for it's sure. a great honour. It's kind of surreal, really. The whole thing has okay, been. Okay, you've won them all, and that's pretty mental. What people in social media have done is disgusting. This is Sportsbeat Extra. On this week's show, I'm speaking with the elite racer who successfully completed the legendary Ross Talton. But first, I'm very pleased to welcome an Irish international footballer who hails from the heart of the Southeast. I'm Sean Connolly, and you are very welcome to Sportsbeat Extra. Sportsbeat with John Kennedy Motors, Cashel Road, Clonmel. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. View our full range of cars at johnkennedymotors.ie. I'm extremely pleased to be joined by the definition of a local sporting hero, an Irish international footballer who's shining under the bright London lights, Miss Rihanna Jarrett. You're very welcome to the show. How are you, Rihanna? Good, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're very welcome. So look, your story, like so many successful footballers from Wexford, began at North End. I'm very much an advocate in this show for the 20 by 20 athlete in this country. I'm a father of two small girls. So I want young girls and women to have as many opportunities as they can possibly have in this country in a sporting term. Playing alongside boys from an early age, you were obviously never phased. What were your experiences like? Uh, I think for me, it was kind of all that I ever knew. Um, obviously, I, I grew up with a twin brother. Um, I've got a younger brother. Um, I spent most of my time in school playing with the boys. So most of my time after school, kind of like playing on the street with the boys. And I think that stemmed from joining North End at a young age. Um, obviously, I said I have a twin brother, Jordan, and naturally was jealous of what he had and when he started football I wanted to play um, so eventually my mum let me join and unfortunately at the time there was no girls teams um, there was a few girls in, in and around the club all right, playing for North End at different age levels but there was kind of no girls my age and I think playing with the boys was probably the best thing that happened to me I think you learn a lot about yourself quickly obviously when you're a kid there's no fear um, you go to school with the boys you, you're, as I said you're friends with them so there was no issue there but I think the older you get Obviously, the boys get stronger, they get quicker, um, so you kind of have to, to show what you're about. And I think every time that I stepped on the pitch playing with the boys, you'd have, obviously, like people questioning like why a girl was playing, so you always kind of like had to show show what you had. But as I said, that natural competition came from from playing with my twin brother in the back garden, playing with my cousin Robin in the back garden, playing with the boys on the street. And I think that definitely um, stayed with me kind of as I went further on in my career and don't get me wrong, I was delighted when North End did finally set up a girls' team. I was actually one of the younger ones playing, and I was kind of very young playing with the women's team, but I definitely enjoyed playing with the boys and was sad when I got to an age where I had to stop. Yeah, massive experience for you, though, as well. And then you moved, obviously, through Curraclow and a select side that entered the FAI Cup. You then were given an opportunity to go and play football in the States. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, I played with Wexford Youths for two years, and it was the year that we had made it to the cup final. Um, I had just come back from kind of like a long-term injury and was back playing a couple of weeks, and there was a, a scout from a college in, in America had come to watch kind of a couple of games, and, and apparently I was on, on his radar. He was actually a, a Northern Ireland guy. Um, so after the semi-final, um, he spoke with our manager, John Flood, at the time and asked, um, would it be okay to speak to me about going to the States so John put us in contact and to be honest at the time I initially said no and I said no because my mom had moved to England with my younger brother um, kind of just a little bit before that and I was only myself and my twin brother at home and 
kind of didn't want to leave him by himself, so I said no. Um, but credit to Phil, he kept pestering me, pestering me, and he was like, look, speak to your family and have a think about it. So at that point, I actually spoke to my mom, spoke to my brother, I spoke to the rest of my family in Wexford, and they were like, you'd be stupid not to take up that opportunity. Um, and then kind of things kind of progressed overnight, I think within two weeks. took me a little while to get my visa sorted. Um, but when, when I got that sorted, I was literally gone in a matter of days and... It was sad leaving Wexford at the time, um, but I had a great experience out there. Um, went out to a small college in kind of like the middle of nowhere, but absolutely loved every minute of it. Um, unfortunately, only done a semester. Um, it was a semester where the season was on, so we played, I think, like <clears throat> 20 to 30 games in the space of like three months. It was crazy. It was chaotic. Um, but the girls were amazing, and the team was amazing. Got to see different parts of, of the States. Um, and then, unfortunately, I came home at Christmas, went away on an international camp and tore my ACL for the second time. So I didn't opt to go back out. I opted to, to kind of rejoin my place in college in IT Carlo that following September. An amazing experience. And not so many people get to, to live in those boots, though. And obviously, you, you were very successful in terms of an individual season that you had over there, even for the short time that you were there. Yeah, so I think I went out and I scored like 17 or 18 goals in our 20 games. Um, kind of hit the ground running um, I think it was probably the best thing for me at the time as I said I wasn't back too long after um, tearing my ACL for the first time um, I was lucky that I got kind of the back end of the season which got me kind of up to match fitness and then I went away to the States and as I said you're playing two games a week most weeks um, kind of a good pre-season as such which they call it and I was just flying um, which then called me, got me my first kind of call up to the, the senior team at the time and I was definitely in the best shape that I had ever been at that point. Um, I was 20, I'd come back, went away with the senior team, was delighted to get my first call up um, and then unfortunately kind of <laughs> done my knee so that was um, difficult to, to take but as I said it was a, it was a great experience for me um, both individually as a person kind of brought me out of my shell a little bit but then also as as a player to see kind of like the game from a different side of things over in the States. Like so many athletes, injuries come part and parcel. You've been obviously very unfortunate with the injuries that you've collected through your career, but that shouldn't overlook what has been a tremendous career that you've had to date. The success that you've had in our own domestic league with Wexford Dudes is absolutely amazing as well. You must be extremely proud of the time, the goals and the awards, as well as the honours that you've won with the club. Yeah, and I think probably what obviously can always be delighted with like in individual accolades but what makes it that, that little bit sweeter is when the team is successful um, it's one thing doing well individually but when the team is successful it, it makes a whole lot of difference and I think for me I wouldn't have been successful without the girls without the team without the way we were playing without the service that I was getting and obviously only one person can win player of the year only one person can get top goal scorer but I was obviously fortunate that for my last two seasons in the league that it was me um, but as I said I wouldn't have been able to do it without without a great group of girls there and I think for me finishing on a high um, individually with Wexford Utes was great um, but unfortunately my last season we we got pipped to the league um, but we did manage to to win the cup final which was which was great it's a, it's a great day out and uh, um, obviously playing playing in the Aviva Stadium a number of times with the girls is, is fantastic but as I said um, definitely the the team accolades outweigh the, the individual ones for me. As a club that I know and a club that is based around the ethos of community and building a team spirit, it certainly hasn't left you anyway, just in listening to that, Rihanna. It's still embedded in you today very much, isn't it? Ah, uh, but I couldn't be any other way. As I said, when yeah. I was I was 17 when I first joined Wexford Dukes, I said I, I grew up playing 
with the same players. There's, as I said, there's always been a core group at Wexford, and unfortunately, every year going forward now, it seems to get smaller and smaller. But you've still got Kylie Murphy, who is the driver behind everything. Um, you've still got Adele Kennedy, you've still got Nicholas Sinna, and you've still got the likes of Kira Rossiter, Lauren Dwyer, Lolly Collin that, that have all been there kind of from the start. And, and I think without those girls and the number of us that have left, then the club wouldn't be where they are. But then there's also a lot of work that has been going on in the background. Um, you've got the likes of Eddie Cullen and, and Tom Dunn that that make sure that we don't want for anything. Um, and, and obviously the past and, and present managers as well, I think it's just turned out to be a great club. And unfortunately, there was always some stigma around Wexford Utes in regards to the men's and it kind of wasn't a great asset for the for the southeast. Um, for a number of years, they seem to have turned things around kind of more recently. But we were just happy that we were like our own identity, and 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 we kind of brought some not only success but kind of like some good football and and some community back to Wexford, which was kind of missing at that stage for a long, long time. Obviously, keeping that community in mind and the camaraderie that you built up with your teammates. What was it like making that jump across the water to play over in the UK? I think leaving leaving Wexford was, was difficult. Um, leaving the girls, I said, I've made friends for life. Um, they weren't just teammates. I said, we've we, we done a lot for each other, not only on the pitch, but, but off the pitch. And, and I'm thankful that, that those girls are still there for me anytime that I pick up the phone or anytime I come home, that, that things never change. And I'll always be grateful for that. But for me at the time, it was something that, that I had to do. Um, I'd kind of been, been toying with it, been thinking about it, been, been speaking to people. And, and I was so fortunate then that the opportunity came from Brighton um, in January 2020 to go. And I was also very fortunate with the timing of it because I think I was with Brighton for like six six weeks. And then the pandemic hit. Um, so I, I do often think that if I hadn't have went then, um, when would the opportunity have come to be able to go and, and play professionally. Um, and it was an amazing experience to play with Brighton. It's a great city. It's a great club. And, and the things that they're doing for women's football is, is absolutely magnificent. The, the women are treated on par with, with the men at Brighton. <clears throat> um, and you can, most recently, they've got their their own kind of multi-million um, kind of training centre on the same grounds as the men, which is, which is fantastic. And it's exactly what you want to see for women's football. And I think for me, just, just taking that jump, kind of pushing myself at the highest level was something that I enjoyed thoroughly, found out a lot about myself. And, and unfortunately, it didn't work out with Brighton. But I'm still fortunate enough that I'm, I'm still playing professional football with, with London City Lionesses in, in the women's championship. Do you notice much contrast, I suppose, between London and Brighton in terms of the facilities, the setups and how you're playing? I suppose the difference is, obviously, um, the money pumped into the different levels. Um, London City are, are a new team. This will be their, their fourth season um, now that they've been around. They were previously Millwall and and I think that we are fortunate enough that the, the club is growing from strength to strength, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch kind of year on year as well. And, and we're getting more back in, we're, we're getting better facilities. And, and I think that that's just a kind of result of how the women's game is growing in general, um, especially in England. Um, now, there is a, is a jump between the WSL and the championship, but I think that the championship this year, more teams are going full-time and I think over the next couple of years it, they're aiming to be um, a, a fully professional league and I think they've now got the same sponsors in, in Barclays who were the Barclays Women's Super League who have now taken over the Barclays Championship now as well. So it's going to be an exciting year. I've, I've enjoyed last season thoroughly and um, was unfortunate enough, unfortunate to pick up kind of a couple of injuries that, that kind of see me miss the better half of the second half of the season but I'm, I'm hoping to hit the ground running now once I'm back on the pitch and, and I have a great team a young team <laughs> but we've brought in um, some kind of more experienced players which will be announced in, in the coming weeks and just looking forward to getting back over hitting the ground running and, and hopefully we can be closer to, to pushing for that, that, that promotion spot on that championship winning team 
That sounds fantastic. I can't wait to uh, see how it goes. Can't let you go without talking about representing the country at an international level. You must be extremely proud making your debut, getting your first goal back in 2019. Yeah, um, I think no feeling will ever be putting on that that, that, that jersey for Ireland. Um, it's something that, that, that I dreamed of as a child and I remember when my mom bought me my, my first Ireland jersey. Um, I got Jarrett number ten on it. And I think I got number ten because I loved Robbie Keane at the time. Obviously, Brilliant. looked up to him and and loved watching him. But I was like, no, I'll get my own name on it. And I actually still, funny enough, have that jersey. Um, it's back home in Wexford with my collection of of other other jerseys that I've collected over the years. But there's no feeling that beats playing for Ireland. It, it it's an honour every single time that I'm called up and, and hopefully I'll be back in the setup soon but it, it, it's absolutely amazing to see the success of the team at the minute um, with two games to go they're, they're in the driving seat to, to reach the playoff spot um, big massive game against Finland in September um, which hoping to, to, to sell out Tala and, and hopefully the, the girls can, can get the job done and, and reach the playoffs for the, for the second time in, in our history um, but as I said it, it's an amazing group um, it's great to see kind of one of our own in, in Tom Elms as well, kind of in the management setup. Um, obviously, I know Tom from when he was manager of Wexford Youth, and it's it's great to see him taking a step up to, to that level, and, and hopefully the girls can continue pushing on. And as I said, the, the, the feeling of scoring my first international goal in Tallis Stadium is something that I will remember for the rest of my life. Um was fortunate enough that we won the game, but I was more fortunate enough to have a good kind of chunk of my family there in, in the stands kind of cheer me on and there's no better feeling than when that final whistle goes and you've had a good result and obviously you have the Irish fans that have backed us for a long time and we're starting to get more and more fans but to be able to walk over to the crowd and, and see my family and to be able to go over and, and give them a, a hug is is definitely one of the best feelings in the world. The last thing I want to ask you, what advice would you give to any potential budding athlete that's listening to this and wants to follow in your footsteps? I suppose the, the biggest advice I'd give is that, that no dream is too big. Um, dream big, the bigger you dream, the better. Um, don't let anybody stop you in, in achieving those goals, but also don't be afraid to ask people for help and support and take criticism along the way. Um, be open and honest with yourself but also expect people to be open and honest with you, and, and that's the only way that, that you're going to grow. Um, obviously, the biggest thing is to, to keep driving, to keep working hard, but those kind of, don't be afraid to ask for help, don't be afraid to push yourself, but also don't be afraid to be open and vulnerable and, and accept that criticism, and, and the world is your oyster. Perfect. What a way to end it. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, wish you the best in your recovery, and I look forward to seeing you back out on the pitch sometime soon. Thank you, Sean. really appreciate it. Sports Beat with John Kennedy Motors, Cashel Road, Clonmel. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. View our full range of cars at johnkennedymotors.ie. In the run-up to the legendary Ross Talton, I had the privilege of speaking with the tournament director, Mr. Jerk Campbell. Shortly after that, I was able to speak with Luke Cullen, who is an athlete taking part in the race. Now, the Ross has been and gone. It's in the history books, and I am fortuitous enough to have Mr. Luke Cullen with me again today. Luke is going to give us a first-hand experience, preparations and everything in the run-up to it. Luke, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me back, man. Happy to be here. You're more than welcome. Let's get right into it. Let's talk about preparation in terms of training, races leading up to it, food and gear, everything prior to the Ross and your experience. The biggest thing in terms of prep is trying to get as much racing 
racing in as possible. So, you know, going to every Sunday race, you know, midweek races. I also got was lucky enough to do the Orwell two day, which was about 10 days beforehand. That was a great confidence booster as well. And then you're, uh, you know, down in my, my basement uh, with all my cycling gear. I had bags of food and bags of drink ready to go. Which, uh, we I think we got through all of it by the end of it, which was uh, uh, good to see. But uh, no, it was uh, just kind of a lot of anticipation, bit of nerves. But uh, like I said in my last interview, like the, the excitement was kind of a bit dramatic here, but palpable. Like every day I was like counting it down. I was like, okay, you know, three days to go, two days to go. Um, I was so excited. So yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, I was really looking forward to it. And I'm, and I'm glad to say that uh, definitely without a doubt, the best thing I've ever done. And I, I'll remember for the rest of my life for sure. Run through stage by stage of me. What happened along each of those five stages? A sort of a, a synopsis on each stage, just to let the listeners yeah. know exactly what it was like. Yeah, well, uh, so the first day we left uh, Tala, we actually left Tala Stadium. And, uh, you know, it was all kind of meeting the guys. I, I was personally was racing for uh, kind of a Galway Bay amalgamation team. So there was the main Galway Bay team, cycling club. And then there was the Clare BCG team, which was Clare. And then there was Blarney Riders, uh, Carrick Wheeler Riders, which was myself, um, and, they, and some more Galway Riders. So we kind of had two teams with us. But we left the Tallis Stadium and... Uh, I, uh, I was kind of caught up in the moment and uh, for people who don't know, I've started a lot of races, there's usually a neutralized zone. So when you're leaving a town, you're leaving city, there might be 2K, 3K of uh, a slowed down neutralized zone where, you know, you get through the town safe and you get out onto the open road. Me and then like a bunch of riders were at the back of the peloton or back of the bunch and we actually got caught behind. I believe there was a crash or something to do with a car up the road and we... By then, what because of the bunch, the main peloton, they went up the road and we didn't see them all day. But uh, in terms of actually organization for the whole Ross, I do want to take my hats off. Um, you know, for all the organizers, all the volunteers, the Gardy as well, they were impeccable every single day. I felt very safe as did other riders. Um, you know, we went through towns, we went through harsh roads, uh, we went through Greenway, I believe, on stage three when we were leaving Newcastle West. But it was always very safe. Um, they they kept the roads clear for us night and clean, obviously. Um, which was a big help in terms of that it was great so that was the first day uh, it was about me and maybe 30 riders uh, kind of on our own uh, at the back well, well down from the peloton but we got there um, and then the second day uh, we left the horse and jockey and we went to Castle Island that was up to that point probably the hardest race stage I've ever done it was hard racing basically for four hours straight and the thing is and you know this goes for a lot of races when you're in training you're going as fast as you can go because nine times out of ten you're training on your own when you're in the race, you're trying to go as, as fast as the fastest guy can go. So even though you might be in the middle of the bunch or the back of the bunch, you're not like, la, 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 la. You are like, it's pedal to the metal. It's big gears. It's a lot of suffering. But it was an unbelievable experience uh, on that day. And we went up some really uh, steep climbs at the end, which was uh, great. Uh, I, you know, I got a huge confidence boost for the rest of the days knowing, oh, I have my climbing legs with me there. And then the third day we left Listoon Varna. We went to uh, Kilbegan, um, which was another great day. I believe that was the day we had torrential rain, so I was trying okay. to keep it, keep trying to keep it on the straight and narrow there. But uh, no, another great day, another very hard day. I believe that day was the longest stage. It was the Queen stage, which is normally referred to. So 173k, a long day. So um, just to butt in, yeah, for something that was as difficult as it was on a day of torrential rain. <laughs> what was that like? You're sit, you're lying in bed. And my dad was actually the team manager uh, for for us. And he goes, right, Luke, time to get up. I look out the window and I see the rain and I'm like, please, no, please let this be a dream but, or a nightmare. But uh, no, it was, you know, 
when you're standing on the start line and you're 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 in your gear and you see all the looks of the guys and you know you're tired, you know like okay, we're all gonna suffer today, but you know there's a great sense of kind of togetherness because you're no we're all gonna suffer together, whether I'm at the front of the race or at the back of the race. We're all suffering together and there's you know, we're all in this torrential rain, we're always trying to get home safe. Like that's the biggest thing for every rider. Like, you know, to finish first, first you have to finish, you have to get home safe, as the saying goes. So uh it was it was scary but it allowed me to kind of test my limits and know you know stuff I might need to work on like coming into the Ross I might have said like oh my climbing is very good and my descending isn't too great and heading into like coming out of the Ross and national championships which were uh, just a couple of days ago I know now I actually better at climbing than I thought I was but the descending that I uh, I need and my bike handling skills I need to improve on but that's that's what I want you want opportunities to learn so then heading on to the fourth stage which was listening to uh, uh Kilbegan uh, that was actually uh, a relatively flat stage there was still some hills and stuff but okay. that was actually recorded as the 11th fastest race in the world on that day wow. the, the average speed was 47 kilometers an hour really really tough and then the last day finishing in black rock in dundalk you know we finished and it was a lot of emotions like out of pure happiness um i bawled my eyes out and was like oh my god i finished my first ross and you know everyone was congratulating each other and we all got a medal for those who finished so it was like it was very tough i want like i want to stress like it was the toughest thing i've ever done i will look back on those five days with utter fondness like making memories making new friends um making uh mistakes Going, uh, you know, having uh, making improvements, I would say. So it was unbelievable. I loved every second of it. Good. Well, it sounds amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds grueling and amazing, but it sounds fantastic. And safe to say, you've learned many, many lessons in this journey. Oh, huge amount. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's what you want. You know, you can do so much training on your own, but to to know how to race, you have to race, obviously. So no, but it was great. And, uh, you know, in a way, you know, people say, so it's the Ross, it's the Ross Talton. It's kind of the tour of Ireland in a way. We got to see, well, I didn't really get to see because I was focusing, but like, you know, you're going through amazing areas. So like, it, it's great for like, you know, a, a, you know, a tourism Ireland or something like that, you know, to which would possibly be great in the future for the race, to, for them to help us out in the race. Cause it's, it's a real kind of uh, postcard uh, kind of dream for the race. You see it even the Tour de France was, France, which is starting soon during the race helicopters are flying over and they're showing these gorgeous villages and it was the same here you know you get to see wonderful parts of the country we we're racing past schools and you'd see like hundreds of kids out um, cheering us on and, and going through towns and people cheering us on so it was a real group event from from everybody from the riders from the team uh from you know the organizers to people even in the streets so it was a huge team effort from everybody and it was unbelievable i loved every second of it like i said Brilliant. Now, as something that took so much preparation, both mentally and physically, did the experience meet what you expected? That's a good question. In terms of the physical demand, I knew it was going to be hard. Um, I have, like my father and my uncle have both have ridden the Ross before. I know other people in that I know just in the cycling community have ridden the Ross. And they, they stressed to me, like, this will be the hardest thing you will probably ever do. I, I came out of it and I knew straight away. I knew it was going to be hard. I didn't know it was going to be that hard. But I don't want people to get scared. And so, oh God, like, you know, I'll never race. Three years ago, I was barely cycling. Like I was doing sports, but I was barely cycling. And now I got to finish a Ross. It was unbelievable. It was so really, really hard, but it was an unbelievable experience. And I'll 
like I said, I remember that till the day I die and I'll think of it fondly. And I think it's a great kind of showcase of what cycling can be because, you know, we want more people to come into the sport. So, sure. you know, if there is young people listening or parents listening, get the kids out on the bike. It is so good, even from a mental health thing. Because like, like everybody, these past two years, for me personally, have been tough. Um, you know, I've gone through struggles and even leading up to the Ross, you know, just personal stuff I was struggling with. And the Ross is like a, a short remedy almost. It was so great. But even going out on a training spin, um, cycling is a huge benefit to me and everybody else that rides the bike. So I'm a huge advocate, obviously, but like I, I really do see it firsthand how much it can help. It also shows, as you said, three years ago, you were barely cycling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. I thought a training spin was going out for an, for an hour maybe and like kind of toddling along but it was <laughs> that is not trying to spin now um but uh no it's just step by step really but uh it's in it's been a great journey and like you know even at the end of it when I was shattered and my legs were sore I was like I can't wait to do the next one I can't wait to ride the next race it was so joyous from start to finish it was like I said it was super hard I was right you know me and so many other guys racing against pros and then you know you finish on the Sunday and then Monday and your work sort of thing but it was an unforgettable experience. It was amazing. Well, you answered what I was going to ask you next. I was going to say, has it put you off it? But evidently it has not. You're, <laughs> no. you're, you're, you're ready for more. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we all need a break. And I think I might take, you know, a bit of a break here or maybe a, a kind of a longer break at the end of the season. But it's, I'm glad that I've come out of this and I know myself, oh no, I want to get better. I can see I see stuff I have improved on that I can improve on. Um, but no, I'm, I'm ready for more. Like, you know, get me back on that saddle. I, I want to keep going. Great. And I mean, obviously, something like the Ross is great for the country. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And we spoke previously about whether or not you felt the sport got enough attention in the country. Having experienced this now firsthand, do you feel it got the attention it deserved? I feel it's gotten more attention, which is great. I think a lot, you know, like the majority of sports in this country, I feel a lot more can be done, needs to be done. But I think we're on the right path. You know, like even the national championships were a couple of days ago. Like we had, like, let's say, rider like Eddie Dunbar. Eddie Dunbar is riding for Ineos and Ineos are the equivalent to a Real Madrid, a Barcelona, maybe not currently, but a Man United in, in the world of cycling. Are be the biggest team in cycling, and he and he gets to come home and ride, you know, on country roads. And um, you had the the winner uh for, of the national championships, Roy Townsend. He's racing for uh Sunweb, massive team in England, and all these other riders. So I think stuff like that needs to be promoted. Like you know, these guys are coming back from Europe to race against amateurs and you know semi pros and stuff like that, which is amazing to see. Like I was at the championships, and after I finished, uh, I was shattered, but like I got to see a lot of people around. I was like, isn't this brilliant? Like it's a small relatively small community in, in comparison to maybe other sports but like we're here we're out here and we're enjoying the sport even though like it's super tough we're enjoying the sport and everybody is trying to help everybody to get to that next level and we're trying to broadcast it as much as we can like you know doing stuff like this is amazing so I'm trying to do as much as I can but uh, definitely more needs to be done but stuff like the Ross getting to do it every year because in the previous years even aside from COVID it wasn't possible because of sponsors. So, you know, that's why I think it'd be great for something like uh, Fall to Ireland or, or Discover Ireland to come on board because I think it's a real, it's a great gateway for people looking on going, geez, we should go to Ireland or like, oh, we're, we're living in Ireland, but geez, we should go to that village or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, 100%. So I suppose the last thing to say is onward and upward towards the Ross 2023. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Berlin, yeah. 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 Well, look, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, Like, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I'm, I'm I'm only twenty. I hopefully have a lot a lot more years left in in the sport in this country. Um, so you know it's not like oh if I don't get to ride next year I'll never ride again sort of thing. 
But no, I'm I'm looking forward to my next race. I'm looking forward to my next train and spin, which will probably be tonight. But uh, no, it was it was unbelievable. So if anyone is thinking about getting on the saddle, whether it be mountain biking, you know, uh, road racing, anything like that, give it a go. Because for me, looking back, I even these couple of years, I know, wow, this would have been so much harder if I didn't have the bike and all these people around me, like, you know, family, friends, coming to races, like organizers, uh, everything. It's a great experience and it really shows you like we have the potential is there for cycling to grow even bigger and we just need a bit of help an experience of a lifetime and i'll never forget it for hundred. fantastic and thank you very much for bringing us through your journey no worries at all prior to the race and now it's been an absolute privilege listening to it i'm delighted you got to experience that and i can't wait to be looking forward to 12 months and we talking about it all again yeah perfect thanks a lot man my pleasure Sports Beat with John Kennedy Motors, Cashel Road, Clonmel. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. View our full range of cars at johnkennedymotors.ie. That's all for this week's show. If you'd like the chance to speak about your sport club or society, drop me a mail at sport at beat102103.com and I'll happily get back to you. Dean's up next with Beat Anthems.